Blog Talk Radio. I think at one time or another we've all questioned as to whether all that we see and, and are experiencing in our world has some sort of a rational plan behind it. Because we understand now that both the Republican and the Democratic Party in our country are basically run by the same people. The same money finances both sides. We now know, of course, through the work of many historians who have spent their life working on research to show us that both sides of world conflicts have always been financed by the same people. And as I've said before, there seems to be a, a method to the madness going on in the world. We know, of course, that we cannot depend on our leaders. Our leaders are misleaders. There is a science that they're following. They have their own agenda, and it doesn't include you. What your government pays for, it gets. If you are paid to do something for the government, they will extract from you exactly what they have paid for. When we understand that, then we look at universities and schools, government-financed institutions of education, and see the kind of students and the kind of education that's being turned out by these government finance schools, logic will tell you that if what is being turned out in those schools was not in accord with what the state and the federal government wanted, then it would change it. The bottom line is that the government is getting what they have ordered. They're getting what they have paid for. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. That is why our country and our world has become so proliferated with entertainments, mass media, game shows, television shows, amusement parks, drugs, alcohol, and every kind of entertainment to keep the human mind entertained so that you don't get in the way of important people by doing too much thinking. You had better wake up and understand that there are people who are guiding your life and you don't even know it. And all American citizens, I think, have suspected something like this is going on. But we're all too busy trying to stay alive and live our lives and after all, what can one person do about it? This is the most powerful government the world has ever known. They have, a, they have the ability to get a hold on Adolf Hitler 50 years ago. He had a standing army, the greatest navy, air force, military, secret underworld organizations operating throughout the world. But this government got a hold on Adolf Hitler because it chose to and it wanted to. And if you do not pay your income taxes, they will find you if you go to the Amazon jungle. And they will make an example of you. They will find you and they will deal with you. And you know it. But for some reason they're unable to get a handle on drugs and the crime in the streets for some reason. Councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. 
In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. It is a big idea. A new world order. It was almost as if it were a planned implosion. It just pancaked. Either you were with us, or you were with the terrorists. But I also believe that a lot of gun owners would agree that AK-47s belong in the hands of soldiers, not in the hands of criminals. Good evening, Joseph, and good evening, America. Thank you for joining us tonight, and we're going to uh, do a little something different. We're going to bring current events to the table, but in a different way. We're going to uh, actually perform a similar type of procedure like a grand jury would, and you'll be able to listen to the proceedings, and then we'll ask for you to cast your vote as to what your moral compass is telling you is right and wrong, or whether the uh, way things were handled was right and wrong. And so Joseph will uh, instruct us later on how to vote, but let us bring the first subject to the table, and that tonight uh, will be led by Chief Justice Roger Waters. Roger, we'll turn it over to you, sir. Thank you, Governor. Hello, America. Tonight, as you were just told, we're going to kind of change the format to a grand jury type hearing where you get to hear evidence. Tonight, you're going to hear evidence from the person herself that wrong was done to. Tonight, you're going to hear it right from her own mouth. You will then get to vote yay or nay, up or down, or no guilt, you will get to tell the world what you heard tonight, because this is going around the world via the Internet. Tonight we're going to be talking about a a retired lieutenant colonel. I'm going to call her Sandy. She was a pilot in the United States Air Force. She served 20 years. Her career ended in 2007. She completed a PhD uh, in the physics at the University of California, Berkeley. She began teaching at the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs in 2016. To be a pilot in any form, you need physics to help understand engines, rotors, props, forward motion, launching and landing, winds and wind speeds. Tonight she is here and currently a federal civilian employee. She was told you know, she was able to give her testimony 
as to what happened under the mandates of the COVID-19 shots and tests. Their definition of a mandate, now this is not a lawful or a legal definition, this is what they say. A mandate means to Joe Biden that they have the authority to carry it out as a result of winning an election or vote. Well, Sandy, can you uh, say hello to the people and explain a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. Thank you, Justice Waters. Um, I'm Sandy Marecki. I'm a retired lieutenant colonel, as was mentioned earlier, and I'm uh, currently teaching at the Air Force Academy. Because of my oath to the Constitution, I am completely unable to follow illegal orders and, in fact, am required to report them to the proper authorities when I encounter them. So when all the mandate stuff was happening back in August of last year, the beginning of August, I actually sent a notice to my supervisor to forward up the chain of command that essentially said that any mandate of the shots, I am not going to call them a vaccine because they are absolutely not vaccines by the letter of the law in any way, shape, or form. So anytime I say the word shots, I'm talking about what would normally be referred to as a COVID vaccine, which it's not. And he thanked me, and so did the chain of command. Thank you so much for giving me this information about the federal laws regarding mandates and how you can't require someone to take an experimental anything. Then, of course, on the 23rd of August, the FDA, and we all think that they approved the shots, but in fact, they approved the license application, which is a different thing. Then they lied and said that it was the actual approval of the shots. And this was for the shots called Pfizer-BioNTech Comirnaty. So Comirnaty is the only thing that's been, quote, approved, unquote, if you even use the loose definition. The next day, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, signed a written order that would mandate that vaccine, that shot, those shots, on all military personnel. However, because the approval was not in actuality valid, he broke the law because only the president can mandate an experimental anything on the troops. Then a day later, the Commandant of Cadets, General Moga, signed a written order that mandated these experimental vaccines, these experimental shots, on all the military cadets at the Air Force Academy. And in fact, it did not say approved shots on his order. It said shots. So in other words, you take what's available or you're kicked out. So then down the chain of command came the order, the 31st of August, um, the, where I work at the preparatory school at the Air Force Academy currently. The uh, commander signed a written order. So now they're passing down illegal orders. So every time somebody does this, they have violated their oath to the Constitution and have broken federal law. So that order was then passed on to preparatory school military personnel. And then President Biden wrote an order that was backdated to make it look like he had given it earlier than the 9th of September. So then the military were all scrambling to try to comply with this and were all tricked into thinking that that were available 
were the approved ones when in fact they were not, and all of these people were volunteering to be guinea pigs in this massive experiment against humanity. On the 8th of October, Secretary of Defense Austin then signed a written order for the mandates on civilian federal employees like myself. The 29th of October was when the base commander, Colonel Leonard, signed the written order that then sent it down towards our direction. And then Mr. Daig, who was the uh, vice commander, essentially the deputy commander of the prep school, on the 4th of November signed it down for all federal employees. So all of these people violated their oath and federal law in doing this. On the 5th of November, my boss then also broke the law when he pushed the mandate down on me when I told him that I am obligated to follow that illegal order and I would not follow that order, nor would I do any paperwork that they were requiring me to do, I received a letter of reprimand on the 8th of November in retaliation for what I was doing. On the 12th of November, my attorney sent a letter against this reprimand, but there was no reply. On the 30th of November, I filed my first formal inspector general complaints at the academy level, but their feedback indicated that the one letter that I had put together was just too much. So I ended up redoing these complaints later on. Then came down the testing mandate, again, coming down from the chain somewhere, probably at the uh, DOD level. And that was on the 16th of December, right before we broke for Christmas. So then the 17th of December, my boss comes to my office, Mr. McGregor, and says, what will I do about COVID testing? And I said, it's all EUA, emergency use authorization, which means all experimental, which means no mandate can be done, and I will not comply with an illegal order. And then we all went on Christmas break. Then when I came back to work on the 10th of January, I was threatened with disciplinary action if I did not do the COVID testing because I was unjabbed, as we say, and I was relieved of duties at that point for refusing to follow the illegal order and several other things that were going on at the time. That's the basics behind uh, what happened in the past. Later, I was given a seven-day suspension without pay for these same issues. And then um, just recently, I was given paperwork. In fact, last Thursday, the 14th of July, I was given paperwork for um, being getting fired, essentially. They call it a proposal for removal where I'm allowed to now comment before they actually make it final. However, I've seen plenty of signs that they've already made their final decision and they're just going through the motions at this point. And so that's basically where I am right now. Um, I've also been helping the students and the cadets, active duty, retirees, civilians, guard, reserve, ROTC, you name it, whoever comes to me for help, because the word has gotten around that I know what I'm talking about because I'm working with my legal teams. Anyone who wanted to do a religious exemption and they needed to know how to start the letter I would give them a draft and say, here's how you can get started and you need to tailor it for your own situation. And I was warned back in the November timeframe when I got that letter of reprimand that I was not allowed to talk to the students about this, even though what I was telling them was straight out of the DOD and Air Force regulations 
about how to write a religious exemption. And so I have no idea what they're considering to be illegal at that point, but that's been part of their charges, unquote, against me. And so I think that pretty much summarizes the situation. Okay, thank you. Uh, I want everybody to know, and most people don't know this, even at this time, but when Pfizer and Moderna came out with their so-called vaccine, what it had was nanoparticles that carried other cellular components, such as graphene oxide and a synthetic DNA that was formed and made in a lab. Now, on June 13, 2015, the United States Supreme Court ruled on a case that dealt with nanotechnology. They said that they held the naturally occurring DNA segments that they are non-patentable but synthetic DNA segments are patent eligible based on the patent eligibility requirement of 35 U.S. Code 101, which prevents patents on products of nature. It is important to further recognize that methods of using naturally occurring DNA or non-natural methods of producing natural DNA are still patent eligible. Because of this particular case, the United States Supreme Court also ruled that anyone who takes this type of shot with the nanotechnology will be considered a transhuman. Let me say that again. If you take this shot, you will be considered by law under the Supreme Court definition a transhuman, part human, part synthetic. Important for people to know that. Now, in, in your writing, Sandy, you have said many times experimental vaccine. Can you explain that, please? Certainly. Um, as I mentioned before, we should not use the term vaccine because that totally misleads everyone about what these things are. Um, the CDC fraudulently changed their definition of what a vaccine is. The COVID shots do not qualify as vaccines at all. And we knew from the very beginning that these shots don't stop transmission and they don't stop infection because, well, first of all, that was the old definition, that it stops transmission and infection. I mean, you remember getting a chickenpox vaccine or a measles vaccine or whatever like that, and that was going to keep you from getting those diseases. Well, the shots were only tested for symptom reduction, and the companies making the shots even said this in their own paperwork. Companies would normally have been required to do clinical trials with animals first and then people and very structured progression with review board oversight, and the process would take like five to ten years. And none of this was actually done, of course. We all know this from the, quote, 
um, warp speed that they did this with. The process had been followed, then this experimental, quote, vaccine would have taken it five to 10 years. And so all that we can say about this is actually it's an experimental genetic therapy. And that's by the actual definitions from the patents and the paperwork. So it's kind of a long answer to your question, but that's generally what is agreed upon now in the honest legal world. Okay, thank you. Now, you've mentioned a number of times that you were ordered to do something you considered unlawful or illegal. Having a military background myself, I know that when orders are given, we are to follow those orders. We take an oath on the enlisted side that tells us we must follow all orders given by the president and our commanding officers. It does not, however, say we have to follow unlawful orders. There is a difference there. That's why we have a UCMJ, our own type of, of constitutional law inside the military. Now, because you were threatened with maybe getting laid off or fired from your job, kicked out of the, of the service that you were doing for your country, for refusing to do these things, is that called a certain type of crime, Sandy? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's coercion, plain and simple. What is the definition of that, please? Well, um, I basically think about it as an act of using threats or force to make someone do something against their will. And so this is exactly what was happening, um, especially to the students who, you know, they're young, 18 to 22-year-olds generally, almost all 18. And they don't know any better. They don't have any experience with the rules and regulations. And the oath that they took was just something they were told to say when they got sworn in. And I saw some pretty heinous stuff going on with the students. And um, even one of them contacted me and said, ma'am, I'm so afraid to go outside of the quarantine facility because they had tested positive with no symptoms, the usual. And he said, are they going to be waiting for me outside and they're going to hold me down and inject me by force when I leave? And I couldn't believe that I was hearing this. That's how strong they were being coerced. And I knew that I had to do something about it. I reported it up the chain of command, but I don't think anything was actually done. The students were threatened. And most of them caved in and were coerced into taking the shots, even though they didn't want them. Okay. Well, you know, so everybody understands, U.S. Code, Title 18, number 610, is called coercion or political activity. And here's what it says. It shall be unlawful for any person to intimidate, threaten, command, or coerce, or attempt to intimidate, threaten, or command, or coerce any employee of the federal government as defined in Section 7322-1 of Title V. 
So, Sandy, I have to ask, were you considered at this point in time when you were given these unlawful orders, were you considered a federal employee? Absolutely. Then that means what they were doing from the top all the way down to the orders given to you personally, they were breaking U.S. Code Title 18 610. Is that correct? Yeah, and that's not the only one that they were breaking. Um, Dr. David Martin has some brilliant testimony and an extremely good argument that says that they were breaking also 18 U.S.C. 2331, subsection 802, that talks about how coercion is a form of domestic terrorism. So everyone in the chain of command is a domestic terrorist. Hmm. Okay. You know, let's let's kind of shift gears here and let's talk about mandates. What is a mandate? Do you know? Well, that a mandate was an order or a law. I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure it's not. As a matter of fact, that's what my legal team and I all agree on. It has to be something like a policy, and everyone should do it. But if you've got a valid reason not to, then you don't have to because we're still a constitutional republic and free will and free choice is still should be ruling the country. So in this case, well, I also know that um, the so-called presidential mandate there's only one place in the entire federal law, USC, all the U.S. code, where the president can mandate an experimental anything, and that is 10 U.S.C. 1107. Interestingly, it doesn't cover civilians. It's only for military members, and there's a lot of caveats that have to be fulfilled, every single one of them, and in fact, none of them were fulfilled to make these anyone take these shots. And that's, that's what the crime, I believe. And that's what I've been fighting the whole time. You know, in preparation of this and over the last 16 months, ever since I started hearing the word mandate coming out of the White House, it'll be a presidential mandate to do this and to do that. I found it very interesting that the president decided to go through OSHA instead of actually doing it himself from the White House. And I was curious as to why, and that got me wondering, I wonder what U.S. Code says. Do you know that under all circumstances for civilian people, there is no such thing as a mandate as a law? There's no crime that you can commit for not following a mandate because mandate under these circumstances is not law from the government standpoint. Title 18 is crimes committed against the United States government. Now I'm gonna kind of go out on a limb here and I'm, I'm gonna ask you, Sandy, we all know that we were a constitutional republic. We knew that 
our founding fathers wrote documents up, like the Declaration of Independence. We have the Constitution, which is based on a belief in Christianity. We also have the Bill of Rights, which are given by the Creator himself. So no man can take those rights away from us. This is what the republic form of government is. Have you ever seen or heard anything or anywhere where it says that the United States government is a corporation? Well, I first heard about stuff like this um, on this subject about maybe a year ago and started doing research into it. And if you actually go to Dun & Bradstreet's uh, website where you can look up the names of corporations and see who's the CEO, what's the official address, and et cetera, at the time that I had checked, there was something called USA Incorporated, and then that was apparently changed to White House Incorporated. And um, so, yes, I, I truly believe that our government was changed to a corporation sometime in its history. And the best that I can determine from what I've been reading is that it happened in stages, starting around the 1871 time frame, and then again around the 1913 time frame, and then again around the 1933 time frame, where the people of this country were in various stages enslaved to the government, or that's what they think. That's what they were trying to do. Well, in 28 U.S. Code, Title 28, number 3002-15, I repeat that for everybody. U.S. Code, Title 18, number 3002, that's 3002-15, says simply, the United States is a federal corporation. Well, if we're a federal corporation now, that means they did away with the republic form of government. So when you listen to your news or whatever it is that you listen to on TV or radio, and they say, oh, our republic this and our republic that, they are lying to you. They know very well. They are operating and working and living in a corporate government not a republic. As a corporate government, the president thinks he owns everything and everybody. During the Clinton administration, President Clinton wrote an executive order that said that all American citizens, U.S. citizens, are like cattle. They belong to the government, and then government can do what they want. Everything, as you said, Sandy, happened in steps. It didn't just happen overnight. There were certain steps over the ages that took place. And in 1933, the gold standard was done away with completely when we were told as people we couldn't own gold anymore. Now, most of us listening to this went around then unless you're like 90-some years old. But that happened because the government confiscated all the gold from the banks and everybody in, in America so they could have it. 
They didn't want you to have wealth. And that was the final jab for the Federal Reserve to go on the fiat currency that we're using today, where if you have the game monopoly, the money printed up for the monopoly game is worth more than the money you're actually using to buy and sell things. It costs more to print that money up for the monopoly game than it does for the Federal Reserve to print theirs up. Just an interesting point of view here. Now, I will say this, Sandy. Um, it's amazing to me the knowledge that you have of this, and I'm sure this all came from research and practical and personal experiences, a lot of that which is not pleasant to go through. But whether you are teaching at the U.S. Air Force Academy, right now you are teaching America the truth. And in my opinion, that is worth more than what you could ever teach at the U.S. Air Force Academy because you're reaching people from all sects of life, not just in this country, but around the world, letting them know what happened to you because what happened to you more than likely also happened to them if they worked in a hospital or a, a clinic somewhere or Ford Motor Company. They were all given mandates too. And then an interesting thing happened. I don't have the details in front of me, but, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court said, no, 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 mandates are illegal for the civilian population. And they put a stop to it. And what did the president do? He just kept right on doing what he was doing. Because to him, see, he's God and he can do what he wants. He broke the law. The president broke the law. He broke U.S. Code 610. Congress broke U.S. Code 610. And we are telling you, the American people, that every day you wake up and you go about your business, whether it's to work or whatever it is you do, you are working and operating in a corporate system that is not just breaking one law, but they're breaking hundreds every single day. And that's the purpose of this, is to bring to you the truth of what your government is doing. Because very, very soon, we may not ever have a chance to do this again if we don't stop the government from what they're doing. You won't have the opportunity to. And if you don't believe me, go down to Venezuela and ask them. Talk to the grandchildren in Cuba. They remember 1960, 1959 with Castro. Go talk to the, the, the graveyards of the people in Russia and China. They'll tell you. Everything that's happening in our country right now happened in theirs. Maybe not exactly, but pretty much the same. Starting with the Bush, the second Bush administration with the Patriot Act, Homeland Security, it began to follow the steps of Nazi Germany in the early 1930s. Everything that Hitler had passed in their parliament 
or Congress pass here. It wasn't called the same thing, but it was doing the same type of job. What do you, I mean, what do you think Homeland Security really is? It's the SS of America. They tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and where to do it. And they let you know when you do something illegal. And like the intro said, pay your taxes on time or else. Because if you decide not to, they will come get you anywhere, any place. This is the government you live under. And you have to ask yourself a question, people. Are you free? They tell you you are. But are you? Ask Sandy. She was doing her job, minding her own business, doing a great thing teaching cadets about the United States Air Force and certain events and things they were going to look forward to in their career to serve you, the people. And that same government that was paying them to be there turned their backs on them and told them, you take this or else. Sandy, one last question. Do you know of anybody or have heard of anybody that has taken these shots and are no longer with us? Yes, unfortunately. Um, although their family won't admit it because that would be admitting that they made a mistake and that's something that uh, the mass formation or the formation psychosis, which you guys have probably heard about, where it's the brainwashing of everyone by our corrupt media. In the case of, I know one person directly, and that was my one of my neighbors, um, a 70-year-old um, Army veteran who was just so excited about taking the shots. And I think he finished his series sometime around middle to late February. And by the beginning of May, he had raging stage four cancer all over his body and was deceased two weeks later. He barely even got in to get the uh, biopsies and, and whatever before it had taken him. And he had opted for the chemo, which, as you already explained, these shots are poison. They are bioweapons. You cannot cure a poison with another poison, which is what chemotherapy is. That's one I know of for sure. Then I have friends whose loved ones are either incapacitated now, even though they were doing marathons and whatever before they took the shots, and now they can barely walk. I also know about the damage that's occurring to the students on base. Uh, I am fully aware of a minimum of five preparatory school students and a minimum of two cadets at the main part of the academy with heart conditions that used to be state champion sports people. So there's no way that these conditions are totally random. You can look at the VAERS system, V-A-E-R-S, first events recording system or something like that. I, I might have gotten one of the letters wrong, but that's where you're supposed to um, report any of the damage from the shots. And it's a passive system, which means that you have to get through all of the hoops and wickets that they put in front of you to try to block you from actually putting the report in so people give up. And so the 30,000 people that have been 
that died within a small time frame of getting their shots is a small amount compared to what the actual number probably is. It's probably 10 to 100 times that number. In other words, way more than anyone who actually died just from COVID. Because even the CDC has acknowledged that only about 6% of all of the deaths that they have used fear porn on us through the corrupt media as being COVID deaths were actually COVID deaths. Just like in previous years, if you have someone who's elderly that has three or four other conditions, comorbidities, when they catch the influenza or something, their primary cause of death is diabetes or heart disease or whatever that was bothering them for the last 10 or 20 years. And then the final straw is influenza. But that's not the way that they recorded the deaths since COVID started. And that's another part of the corruption and breaking of all kinds of laws and regulations. So that was a long answer. But yes, unfortunately, I know of many people that have been damaged as a minimum and it's probably, unfortunately, a matter of time before we see the massive deaths occurring within the next few years. Thank you, Sandy. Well, people of America, we are going to ask you to consider what you've just heard. We're going to ask you to vote to the point to where the United States government has broken laws the Biden administration, tonight we went over coercion, that you vote that would be for a true bill or an actual charge against the government, factions of the government, and individuals of the government for breaking not just constitutional law, as they claim they go by, but they broke their own law. U.S. Code. And if they break their own law and don't give a second wink about it, what do you think they're doing in other things? We're going to ask you to vote for that. We thank you for your time. Thank you, Sandy, for being here. I may call you back at a later time if that's okay. I welcome that. Go ahead. Well, I think, Roger, I think if anyone's live on the line here, if anyone wants to engage live via the phone and and voice their vote or their concern or may have a question uh, that they want to pose uh, on the platform here, then that's what they should do now by pressing one and uh, uh, and, – or making themselves, you know, making their – because, you know, the First Amendment is so very important. This is how we uh, bring our grievances forward and – Doing it here on a worldwide radio podcast show is so very important. We have someone of Sandy stature here on the on the phone with us tonight, you know, mm-hmm. who brought put forth the case against these criminals for what they have perpetrated, and uh, not doing it with all the red tape and legal mumbo jumbo, but doing it in a plain, heartfelt uh, example and way that's down to earth and can explain it to the American people. I think uh, is 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 the best way of doing it, like we planned on doing it here tonight. But if anyone wants to engage on this uh, platform, then I would pre- call in the six five seven three eight three zero six one six number and press the button and uh, uh, pose your question. Now I know we got a bunch of people who already have their hand up. Um, I don't know if Jim wants to interject. Uh, I did it 
sent a couple messages out on Facebook to a few people um, that uh, I was hoping that would probably maybe put their hand up and want to engage here. Um, I don't see them pressing one, but they are on the line, one of them. Uh, Jim, you want to say something real quick for anybody sure. else out there? Yeah. Actually, there we go. There's 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 the six one four. I think that's the one I, I asked to come on. There we go. Sorry, Jim. I gotta put you right back there. <laughs> back in the queue, there, buddy. <laughs> go ahead. Six one four. Go ahead. All right. Do you hear me? All right. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been a minute, and I, I figured that was who you were asking for. Um, I have. I, I'm very interested in the fact that you have somebody from the Air Force on discussing this. Um, because obviously the military have been guinea pigs to this kind of thing for a long time. I served under Bill Clinton in the 90s when they were giving out the uh, anthrax injections um, to the military, and uh, a lot of people were being injured. I actually got out in 1999 in August, uh, right before it was going to be mandatory for every service member to get it, so I was kind of fortunate not to have to take that one. But... um, the uh, the whole question to me, and I've been dealing with this with my employer, I'm a public service employee, um, and they have instituted very uh, open and broad discriminatory policies against those who refuse this injection, um, which it, it very easily amounts to uh, coercion. Uh, there's no choice in being given, and, and you couldn't even give and informed consent in these injections at all anyway, since they are all obviously, admittingly, uh, very experimental, uh, the technology being used having never been used on a human population ever prior to this. Um, the whole precedent of this is, from its outset, was ridiculous. And I remember telling uh, vast numbers of people at the beginning of this in 2020 when this all started with the lockdowns that it was going to end with forced injections. And I refuse to call this a vaccine because it's not. The vast majority of what people are receiving is gene therapy, and there's easy videos that people can look at and go out there and find where they actually praise the fact that if it were not for, for this COVID scare, that the population would have never accepted gene therapy any other way. So they redefined gene therapy, called it a vaccine, when it's not a vaccine on, uh, by any sense of the imagination. It never offered any immunity to anything, which, you know, it's, it's amazing how short people's memories are when they were saying it was uh, 95% uh, effective against prevention in the beginning. And uh, later, by the time it all came down, it was like, uh, well, actually, it just lessens your symptoms. It's not meant to stop anything. And, uh, of course, they can't prove that it, it lessens. They can't prove that because I got a, an injection of orange juice that I'm not going to get a cold tomorrow or, or that it's not going to be as bad. They, they have absolutely no way to prove a negative whatsoever. Um, so all of the claims that they've made from the beginning, if you're paying any attention, make no logical sense at all. So right, so what is this really? And and I heard some reference. I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I heard some reference to an executive order by Bill Clinton. I would be interested to know what executive order he was referring to specifically about us being cattle. But I would point to 
the 14th Amendment, which declared us all corporations, citizens of the United States Corporation of USA, that is essentially made us all employees and subject to uh, commercial code in commerce, um, and essentially deprived, made us all dead vessels subject to any rule or whim or statute code uh, pursuant to their for-profit corporate um, interests. And I don't care who you put in office. Uh, you can put a Republican, you can put a Democrat. They're flip sides of the same coin. We in, continue to always vote and presume that we are voting for our freedom, freedom, but really all we're doing is voting for who has the power to, to control the chains. Um, and as long as we continue to believe that we have freedom because we can choose the slave master, uh, we will continue down this path of slavery because it's a good cop, bad cop. Uh, by the end of, of the previous presidency, we were under the worst tyranny I have ever seen in my life. Never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined that the government would issue an order, a mandate, no law, no law of the legislature, no laws were created. No, they, there was no attempt to even make a lawful process. They just simply told everyone to stop their lives and imprison themselves in their house, to muzzle their faces, and we all complied. And I, I could have never imagined that that happened under Trump. I'm going to say his name. And Trump did nothing. He talked about a vaccine that might free us. And this is the same injection that we're talking about now. So you're not going to vote your way out of this. They're playing good cop, bad cop. And just because your cop is the one in charge doesn't mean we're going to suddenly understand who we are as men and women with unalienable rights given to you by your creator, not by the Constitution. You don't have constitutional rights. You have God-given rights. Whatever your creator or your God is, you could believe the Big Bang is the creator and designer of all things and it all by random chance, but random chance still somehow created an order of all things by which those things can fit, that all things abide by. And self-evident truth is that we have those certain rights that are spelled out by the Constitution, not just the Constitution of the United States, but of the many states individually, our rights are listed there, some of them, not all of them, but some of them. And those rights are issued by the Creator, not to be taken away by anyone. It doesn't say that those are circumstantial. If the government says it's safe for you to practice your right, then you can have it. We never asked them for permission, nor did we ever consent for them to take our rights from us and turn it into a license to be sold back to us or to be issued when they deemed it was safe for us to have them. Those were never the conditions of this free republic. And Republican or Democrat, that is the issue at hand is the fact that this government these corporate entities who pose as government believe that they wield the sovereign power to control those things. And I don't care who's in office. 
none of them were ever given the consent to control those rights, including the rights to what is ultimately the most self-evident truth of all, is that my body is my property given to me by my creator. And if I, my employer, can demand of me to inject myself with a modification that will alter my body for the rest of my existence against my will, then I own nothing. I don't even own myself. So your previous caller was was absolutely correct in that the government views us as cattle, as property. If you don't own your own body, if you can't resist, if you have to ask permission for an exemption, I refuse. I told my employer I am exempt. I rejected their contract. Because it's all, their, their exemption form that they issue you is not a request for an exemption. It is a contract that you sign acknowledging their, their right to deny you your right. If you read the bottom line of it, at, on the bottom line of every one of those forms they provide you, there's a clause in there that says, I understand that I might be denied. based on their opinion of your religious belief, which means they are establishing what is a legitimate religion that's a violation of how many rights? They decide what your relig- whether your religion is valid or not, whether your exemption is valid or not, and whether you have a right to your own body to prevent its modification by your employer. If we understood that if my employer asked me to, for my safety and the safety of others, I have to put very specific tires on my vehicle, we would understand that that goes too far. And we need those kinds of understandings. Um, my car is my property. Does my employer, by the, the fact that I am employed by him, get to control what, what's to say he doesn't get to control what food I have in my fridge at, at home, what conditions I live under. Maybe I don't sanitize enough at home, and it, it puts my coworkers at risk. So where do we draw the line at what is the business of the employer under contract and what isn't? What is it that they are allowed to ask of me, and what is it that they are not? So... Acknowledging our rights, our property, our religious freedom, our right to speak about it, because I'm not allowed to speak at work about it. I feel like I would be retaliated against at the HR and probably ultimately fired if I spoke out against the injections openly. Final right to me. Sir. Well said, my friend. Um, you know, indentured servitude is not a new concept that's been around for a long time um and history goes back and it shows that people earned their way out of slavery from time to time and were free men and, and then then came back and took a piercing and, and became indentured servants um some indentured servants you know made it over here to the u.s to serve out a period of time in exchange for transportation or the ability to get to this country. Uh, and so 
my point is, is that slavery and indentured servitude, or well, essentially that's what we're under here uh, in this law form through the corporation, is indentured servitude, and it's been forced on us because of our lack of knowledge and our ignorance and because of political maneuvering behind the scenes. And so the answer to your question and the answer to the solution, I think, may be one the same, and that's education and understanding. And most importantly also is teaching people how to be successful in a free man's world. Because if you're an indentured servant or you're a dumbed-down individual unable to compete in a free man's world, your only choice is indentured servitude to survive. And if you look at what they've done to us uh, and the way they treat us and their mandates, uh, it's because that's how they look at us. That's what it is in law. Uh, he goes back to the Dictionary Act for a citizen's now chattel of the corporation. But uh, that's our challenge is to be able to have good communication like you brought to the table, my friend, and to bring up a people that understand these these points of, of life and liberty and freedom and justice for all. What we're asking and giving the people the opportunity to do is the most basic one of our fundamental rights, and that is the First Amendment, to voice your opinion. And that's called, in our law form, the law form our forefathers gave us is common law. And so you walk into a village, and you break their laws or hurt one of their people, and their people are going to come and surround you, and they're going to perform common law right there on the street, and justice is going to be delivered forthwith. I'll guarantee you. You get outside... I'll even go to our cities where we have gang members and those people controlling our streets and common laws pervasive. It doesn't matter. And innocent people get shot up and they get killed. But the rest of us are going around playing by a different set of rules and we need to understand that not only our rights but our responsibilities to mandate on our own mandates that this is our law form and our justice system and we want it, and we want to control it. We want it to be of form by the people. And thank you all, Yield. Uh, Jim, what I found also with the, uh, uh, the Lieutenant uh, Air Force Academy instructor here on the line also is that she found that uh, there were people that were resisting, but then they just went ahead and, and got convinced to go along to get along. And and that's it. And did, we have a, uh, basically most of the segment of our population out there that – have this attitude, and then because they feel they're doing what's right, and then you also have. We had a conversation last week about the church, which is very important. Got a lot of flack about that, where we have uh, the the Christian leaders out there who should be all standing up against this this vaccine, but they are not. And but because we got to give on to Caesar, what is Caesar's? They say, and and how do we how do we change that paradigm, that way of thinking, that mindset? That, that, listen, resisting tyranny is our duty to Christ, if we want to be Christ-like, uh, and, and the duty to our republic. But yet, we're just – you heard the caller last week. We're just passing through. 
you know, where this isn't our permanent residence, so it's all going downhill anyway. So let's just, you know, put our heads down and and uh, hey, if you got it good, amen to you. But the guys out there that are losing their jobs or getting kicked out of the military, oh well, you know, it's of the Lord. Nothing happens unless God allows it to happen. You know, so how do we how do we combat that? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Yeah, if if you substitute the world word Caesar and say Satan spawns. What does that conversation take you? Well, I don't know. Well, you quoted it. Resist, right? Resist yeah, and you'll please tell you. I know, I know, but resist. resent is not. Resist the devil and he shall flee. So if the entity with Dominion over you is Satan's spawn, and what is our duty? That's my question. I'm asking for an answer. I, I can't give you well, an answer. According to, the, Go ahead. according to the incorporated and privileged licensed church, the 501c3, and I'm saying it that way very specifically, they have created a new atmosphere of passivity and Obey, obedience and compliance. That's why they use the mass abuse of Romans 13 is so prevalent in the 501 C3 Church of today. Um, those things are not correct. And I will probably blaspheme my former Baptist by saying the book of Maccabees would teach you a lot about resistance to government. Um, the book of Maccabees not being included in most Protestant um, denominations today, or any of them, I would imagine. But in, in even in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, should they have obeyed their government and worshipped the uh, king, or should they have not trusted God and disobeyed him and ended up ultimately getting thrown in a fire, of course, being rescued, if, if you know the story. There, there are more Many, many uh, people in Scripture, Esther, um, Christ himself, uh, didn't bow to the authorities, the church authorities, nor the government authorities, was ultimately hung on a cross for his transgression, right? So we can't, uh, Paul, did Paul bow to be, was he silenced? Peter was also executed. I think the only one of the apostles that weren't executed by the government of the day was John, and he was exiled to the, the, the island of Patmos. So, no, obedience is not required. Not all government is inspired by God. And, yes, if Satan were Caesar, do we obey everything Caesar says? If Caesar, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, yes. You know what? If his corporations, the electric companies, who are licensed by the corporation government, to do business because I'm not allowed to produce and sell electricity because the government won't let me. And so we get this uh, government blessing over electric monopolies. But if I require electricity for my home, there's a note that I can give called a Federal Reserve note. Some people think they're dollars. What does that note actually signify? Well, that note signifies that I promise to provide some form of labor somewhere. I, pro I promise to produce something, and for that I will receive this note. 
So that note is actually a promise of my labor. And I will give that promise of my labor to the electric company who will then provide electricity to my home in exchange for that note, right? And those notes are being exchanged all over the place. That is That note being provided by Caesar and the only price that, that Caesar asks because he has decided by his own sovereign decree that he's the only one allowed to write these notes. He provided the pencil, and it's the divine pencil of a note. Only his divine pencil is allowed to write the notes of labor. That because he writes the notes of labor, he's allowed to put his hand out and take his tithe of he's become God. I require a tithe of the notes of the labor by your hand by which you exchange. And then Caesar himself, producing nothing of his own to contribute to the labor that backs the notes, simply consumes it upon his own lusts. That sounds pretty satanic to me. So there's only so much room in the whole biblical uh, church view that all governments are instituted by God and we should simply obey them. We should only obey them as long as they are obeying the laws and principles of God. If that government is denying God's people of his rights, would Moses not have the the legal right, the lawful right? Okay, he might not have been legal. He was illegal according to Pharaoh by his own decree. Does he not have the lawful right under God to call his people out from Egypt? Because if we followed the current belief, the way Romans 13 is currently being taught, we would hang Moses. He would have been wrong to oppose the Pharaoh because Pharaoh asked of his people to be slaves. And obviously that government was instituted by God. Pharaoh can ask anything he wants. I yield. Hey, Joe. Yes. Um, you know, I remember back in the 80s and 90s, the 501c3 churches in America were getting slammed. They were going to court because they weren't following the 501c3 laws. Uh, churches were being shut down right here in Indianapolis. We had the uh, Reverend Dixon and uh, the Baptist church got raided. Everything was sold because they tried to get out of the 501c3 status. I mean, it was a very tumultuous time for the church. Now, you fast forward to today, in today's world, and the way the government is operating, they're changing the terms for people. You can't call a girl a woman. It's got to be a birthing person. I mean, all these things are being done now. Why isn't the church being persecuted like it was back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s? Could it be because... They are following Satan's law as a whole. I just asked that question to everybody because I haven't seen or read or heard of a denomination or a particular church that the IRS came down on because they broke laws of the 501c3. I just not see it right now. So evidently, the churches, the 501c3 churches, are truly an extension of Satan's law in this country. 
They are truly a part of something that Satan wanted. And here's something else I find very interesting. I'm not for or against anybody when I say this, but of all the churches in America, do you understand that the Catholic Church is the only denomination that is not under a 501c3 by law? Why is that? I yield. All right. Well, you, ever heard, would, you ever heard that uh, silence is a- acquisition? So if we're silent and we know what's right from wrong and we don't speak up or do anything about it, then we've acquiesced. We've, we've agreed to abide by that improper act. That's where we find ourselves, I think. I think that the church knows its moral compass. I think that they preach salvation, which is essential, but I think they want a relationship with our Heavenly Father, which that's what he wants us to do, but by their silence, by, by their acquiescence, by their lack of pushback, and they represent the people. So the people are the church. It's, it's the people's problem. Oh, yeah. And anybody wants to engage here in the conversation, we'll start doing the close, wrap it up the closing, I guess, of the of the podcast here. Uh, uh, you want to uh, uh, intervene? Press one now. Uh, press one if you're on the call or if you're listening via the internet. Press one, and uh, we'll just go down the line here uh, from top to bottom. Uh, 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 I guess we'll go with Sandy. Uh, if you want some final words here, just to stress your point one more time, to recap uh, and give a quick synopsis of everything you talked. And give us your closing thoughts, please. Uh, you go first. Is uh, she still there? Uh, wait, I got a few people with their hands up here. Let's go five one zero. Five one zero. Go ahead. Yeah, that's Sandy. I just got kicked out. Okay, okay. So I came back okay. in. <laughs> that's all right. You're kicking a few people up. I see that. Yeah, but go ahead, Sandy. Well, I was just going to say I don't know what I missed in the last thirty seconds while I was gone, but. One of the things I should have said up front is, of course, everything I've said is my own opinion and no official whatever stance. You know, I have to say all that. And even though I've been saying all that, the other time that I've been on your podcast, in fact, the first time I was on your podcast and I told my story up till that point, they're actually using that against me as some sort of evidence of my disobedience. And so um, I thought that was rather hilarious. So, of course, wow. that is not dissuading me from coming on the podcast. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time, trust me. We were in medical yeah. kidnap news. Uh, uh, they put the on the Pelletier case, the child kidnapping ring of CPS there. They put a gag order because of me. Uh, and then Glenn Beck picked up the story after that. So it wouldn't be the first time. But, <laughs> yeah, the power of the podcast. And we'll keep it going, too. We will not never, ever surrender to the New World Order. Never. Um. Uh, let's see, is, is uh, David Hurtler out there? Does he want to say something? He's been quiet. Does he want to say something? Uh, anybody else? Press one now. We're gonna start wrapping it up, going down the line here. Uh, now is your time. We have somebody here, military background, military experience, uh, with rank here that that uh, is just told you the story, gave you the, gave, presented her case to the American people here. So it's up to you to engage. It's up to the people. This isn't Facebook. This is a live podcast radio where you're unscreened, uncensored, and get to say what you feel and what you want and present it to the people. And it will be archived. 
It'll be on iHeartRadio, Spotify, everywhere. So um, I'll go down the line here. Uh, who, who's it? Let's see. Uh, this guy, I don't know, recognize the numbers, so help me out here with running the board. Uh, Mr. Henning, maybe? Yeah. So I, I believe, uh, is it last four numbers, 1890? I think they just had their hand up. Okay. I think that's Jim. I think Jim just might be. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Is that you, I got, 1890? I got kicked. I got kicked off with Sandy. I've got a private up. caller here. Put their hand up. You got a private Go caller? Ahead, private caller. Dean and... Yep. Hey, uh, uh, hey, Joe. I'm late to the show, but uh, man, I know I got a, I got an inkling as to what you might have been talking about. So uh, <laughs> just uh, you know, I just want you to know I'm listening every chance I get. I was just out working, and you know, I got in too late to catch the show, but. Just give well, me an uh, inkling of what you're talking about, and I'll give you a yeah. closing comment. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jim, you want to give a quick sum- summation? You've got more of Sandy's background or Sandy or real quick, and then because uh, Sarge here has got quite a following here on a podcast, hysteria out there, out there in the world, and he's a part of this podcast a lot, and he has a extensive military background, also retired uh, state trooper there for the state of Illinois. But go ahead, uh, Jim, maybe, or Sandy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we just – Sarge, it's good to have you back on the show again. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we just brought San, uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Sandy Mariiki. Uh, she's retired Air Force, has quite an extensive background. Um, she's uh, now a physics professor at the University of uh, Air Force University there in Colorado Springs, and she knows a lot. And she followed her orders and uh, refused to take the jab and. Uh, they're bow down to mandates and is being fired uh, apparently over this, and it's been ongoing, you know, on and off for the last year. So what we did is we presented her case to the American people, and Justice Waters responded according to our uh, common law form with constitutional law, and uh, the polls are open for the people to uh, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but one or two on the uh, on the blog talk, and uh, give us a poll. I mean, this is common law in practice. This is your constitution in practice. And so if you didn't hear the show, I know you got to go back and listen, Sarge. It's a great show. I definitely am. I want to hear what the what the uh, colonel had to say. But, uh, look, here's the thing about the armed forces and its imperatives. Uh, they're pretty much absolute, but there are some individuals who, realizing a great wrong is being done, historically – rise up to throw themselves on their swords or on a grenade or whatever, risk the uh, strictures of military discipline, and speak out as to what they know is right. Men like Billy Mitchell, men like Smedley Butler, men like Jack Broughton, Colonel Jack Broughton, who was uh, with Tactical Air Force in Vietnam flying F-105 Thunder Chiefs with the most insane rules ever into into, uh, Hanoi every day, Despite crazy restrictive orders and and uh, strictures that were contrary to every rule of military operations, people like that and like this uh, colonel that you you were speaking of, yeah, we know they may be violating the orders and all that. And yes, they may be subject to discipline for it, but sometimes that's just the thing you got to do. I think it's akin to throwing yourself on a hand grenade for the sake of your comrades. Uh, because, you know, I mean, um, 
You, and that's one of the things you got to say. Nobody expects you to throw yourself on a grenade. You know what I mean? That's why they give you the Medal of Honor for it. Because no matter what, you're not expected to do that. That's above and beyond the call of duty. Well, people who speak out against things like these jabs and things like what happened in Afghanistan with that withdrawal, like Lieutenant Colonel Scheller of the Marines did, uh, people who speak it like that know they're risking their careers. They know they're subject to court martial and or sanction, but they do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. And I have nothing but admiration for people like that and for this officer, and I wish her well. I don't know what, uh, how she's going to come out in this, but she's doing the right thing, and believe me, uh, I, I'm down with you. Sometimes it, you, you, some, some orders are just not worth the, the oxygen it takes to give them. And they just aren't worth the ban. You know, they may not be illegal, but uh, they're definitely not right. And I'm glad to see there are still people in the armed forces willing, like uh, Colonel Scheller and like this other gentleman, a Longheimer, a Long Lohmeyer, who was a, a, a battalion commander in the Space Command. He spoke out against the craziness going on too when he wrote that book, um, book exposing the political correctness and the critical race theory and all the other insanity in the armed forces. People like that are still there, and I'm glad they are. I'm more power to them. Thank you, Sarge. Sandy, didn't uh, didn't I see something with General Valet's name on it that had uh, correspondence that had to do with um, what you're bringing to the table, or am I mistaken on that? It's uh, something that's in progress that I'd rather not discuss here. Okay. This, uh, because she has stood up, Sarge, that's my point. Um, she has made waves and she has got, uh, uh, she's under the microscope, as obviously by her by her comment. I'm uh, sorry, I don't mean to broach any subjects, uh, sensitive subjects, but that's the appropriate thing to do, is just to say I can't talk about it. So, thank no, you for uh, such a thing as a tactical, you know, uh, a, a tactical withdrawal, and you know, I'm sure she knows what it is. And you know, if you're going to prevail, you got to keep some things out of out of uh, enemy intelligence. So we have another uh, like caller just opened them up. I have a uh, one 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 is the last four digits. Uh, indeed, four. I was looking for. Mandelicon, first of all, and second of all, I wanted to get on Sarge's nerves. Uh, Joe, what's going on? How are you doing? This one's for you, Sarge. He ain't going to get on my nerves. The only thing he's going to do, all he's going to do is just fortify my <laughs> position. He doesn't know it yet, though. <laughs> he never no, does until on, he y'all? does it. What's going on, though? Y'all? I don't even know what y'all are talking about. I'm just catching up. I heard y'all was on, so I was just checking in. This is David Hurtler. A lot of people don't ahead, know David. this. I want to I want to share this with you. A lot of people on the call don't know this. And this is about the Rothschild brothers, and this is two years after the Civil War started, which would have been June 25, 1863. Listen to these words. The few who understand the system will either be so interested in its profits or be so dependent upon its favors that there will be no opposition from that class. While on the other hand, the great body of people mentally incapable of comprehending the tremendous advantage that capital derives from the system will bear its burdens without complaint and perhaps without even 
suspecting that the system is inimical to their interests. This is the Federal Reserve Act, you guys. This came out 50 years before the bill was placed in 1913 and then signed by Woodrow Wilson in February 1914, which was one of the greatest mistakes that he ever made. And when it comes down to wanting them to take the firearms away from us, all I need is George Washington. George Washington, January 7, 1790, says firearms stand next to importance to the Constitution itself. They are American people's liberty teeth and keystone under independence from the hour the pilgrims landed to the present day. Events, occurrences, and tendencies prove that to ensure peace, security, and happiness, the rifle and pistol are equally indispensable. The very atmosphere of firearms everywhere restrains evil interference. They deserve a place of honor with all that is good. That's all I need. You know what? In 62, they took prayer out of school. 63, they took Bible curriculum out of school. Here's what Noah Webster said. Education is useless without the Bible. Then he said the Bible was America's basic textbook in all fields. Then he said... God's word contained in the Bible has furnished all necessary rules to direct our conduct. Listen, if we had a republic, if a republic going way back to the 50s, 1950s or the 40s after the Second World, whatever it was, if we didn't take prayer out of school, if we didn't do the 501c3, would we be in the position that we are right now? I yield. Thank you, David Hurtwin. Appreciate you coming on. You know, America, this this platform, uh, Joe Gibson, thank you very much for allowing the Republic for the United States of America to come here and share with the American pe- people a peaceful and lawful restoration of your republic that our founding fathers left for us. And we are just all we had to do is protect it. Now it's time for America to educate themselves. Go to a republic for United States of America.org. There you can read the Declaration of Sovereign Intent. Proclamation of Claim of Interest, and many other documents that uh, the Restoration people here, we the people in America, have served on the world. Your republic's here for you, peacefully and lawfully. Uh, Dave and Dean Hurtler have written some books that you can help educate yourself. Order those books at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, or Reinhabited.com. Reinhabited Republic, and corrected. Uh, Reinhabitedrepublic.com. Volume 1 is the truthful history of the re-inhabitation. And Volume 2 is Re-Inhabited Republic for United States of America, Volume 2, Story of the Re-Inhabitation. Uh, there's another book that was written it's, uh, about the Restoration President, James Timothy Turner, American President, Political Prisoner, and it's a legal brief in Appeal to the Courts of Heaven, written by Gene Hurtler. That book also can be ordered and purchased at reinhabitedrepublic.com and, again, Barnes & Noble. Amazon.com. And let, let's not forget the Holy Bible. It's the living word of our Father God that our founding fathers uh, brought this biblical law form here to America. We need to continue to want that back and work work towards that goal. They used that, that Bible to write the Constitution of the United States of America, circa 1860, you know, and the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence. It's so important that uh, America get we get back to that America. It's for your freedom. 
You don't want to give up those those freedoms that God gave us. You know, it's time to educate yourself and take control of this great American republic that our forefathers left for us to protect and enjoy. We are holding your seats and the title to America's republic. You just need to want it back. Take ownership of your part. Spread the word, America. You know, and when you go to the Republic for United States America.org, uh, there's press releases. The most recent press release that was put out by uh, President Geiger of the Re- America's Republic, it was dated July 15, 2022, and the title is Why Fight for What is Right? I encourage everybody to go there and read that. There's many other documents there that you can read to help educate yourself. And Governor Carpenter, I'm going to yield. Yeah, and Governor, hang on. We've got a 520 that wants to uh, jump in here. 520, go ahead. Uh, you got something you want to add here? Uh, greetings. They've got Sheila Vita. How are you, Joseph Gibson? I'm, I'm doing all right. Thanks for coming on to the podcast here. Hopefully you uh, absorb some new information that can help you. But uh, the floor is yours. Go ahead. I just got on, and uh, I was just listening uh, for the past not even five minutes now on uh, what was being said. So I missed a great portion of what was being uh, spoken on. But from what I gather, it's about educating ourselves about uh, the history of this country. And uh, something that I heard was very interesting was the uh, Bible and Christianity being brought into this country. And uh, that statement, to hear it like that, that way, in that manner, just only lets me know that we all know what we're dealing with here and who we're dealing with. We're just not calling it what it is and calling them who they are. Uh, and, and that is uh, illegal alien uh, invaders who came onto this land and changed the code of living, and we want to maintain that. And so what I have to understand is I'm about we the people, but who really are the people and who are the conquerors of the people, and and what are we really talking about? Well, the conquerors are the people that infiltrated America. Obviously, America was a great idea. It came over here, and it was for, it was it had the idea of liberty and freedom and justice for all, and that was what the republic was founded upon and started. Upon. That's why we fought the great revolution against tyranny. But, however, the country has been infiltrated, like you said, and there has been invaders. So, but maybe not the invaders that you think, or maybe you do think it, it's an evil that has taken course over our country and spread throughout our country, and it has indoctrinated us through their filthy money, their fake money through the Federal Reserve Cartel, uh, through uh, fractional reserve banking standards, which we are all debt. We're slaves, basically, to a system that enslaved us through the 14th Amendment, like uh, Adam was talking about earlier. Um, And and so we we have, like you said, we have to call it what it is, call it out, and we have to turn our backs on it, and we have to heal this land. And and I believe that the higher power, whatever you may call it, or whatever anyone wants to call it, my, my God, will heal this land and heal our people, and we will regenerate our republic and be free again because right now we have the chains of tyranny right outside our doorstep and it's about ready to kick down our front door and we, we ain't seen nothing yet so that's what basically i think i can say it in a nutshell <laughs> okay well that was a very nice um summary of um where where the conversation is and what i've come into so uh basically each individual person must uh, tend to their own uh, mental state 
in order to unite and organize with other mental states based on um, a common idea, uh, common unity. Uh, so really it doesn't have anything to do with what we look like. It doesn't have anything to do with our uh, preference in uh, religious practices. But the thing is, is when it comes to those things, those are all things of indoctrination and uh, guidance through uh, particular concepts, ideologies, and um, uh, behaviors that have been uh, pressed upon the people. And, and it's a bit confusing when people battle with their own mental state and take on the state of the system uh, that is not geared towards the mental health of we, the people. So um, mental, mental health is valuable and is important to how we move forward. And if we don't acknowledge the fact that um, a lot of these things that we hold so uh, dear to as far as religiosity, um, education, and things of that nature, money, um, you know, supporting uh, those things that keep those systems running, if we continue to support those things, then we're supporting our own demise as a people. You're right, my, my friend. Yep. Uh, basically, what we're doing is we're re-inhabiting, taking control of the Constitution that was given to us by our forefathers is based on the laws of nature and of nature's God. And just turning that forward, and that illustrates everything that you said, I think. And uh, But that is our common belief system, that the laws of nature will prevail, and they're infallible, and... Um, so we must abide by those laws if we want to be successful and be happy people. Otherwise, we're just, like you said, committing our own uh, our own misery. So it's time the American people yeah. wake up and get on board and take your future back and live in the reality that God gave you. That's absolutely right. And, and you said something very important there, living in our reality. Uh, there's a lot of illusion going on around us, but then we're not um, – we're not encouraged to uh, have an imagination. Uh, they wanted to uh, take that part of us away. And I started realizing that as my children were in public schools and uh, my daughter was in the third grade and they took art away from her. But then they, they tell you in the program that they give it back to them in the fifth grade. By the fifth grade, no child is really into arts and crafts. So, now they're not interested in it, and they get bored because now you're offering them something that's no longer useful to their development because they're not interested in it, because their interest has changed. So I took my children out of school in uh, 2017, and I battled with myself and the decision to do that, put them back in, and two weeks later I had them right back out again because I it, it went solely against our belief system. And I feel like this. When we put our children in the public school system, we are giving our children away to the system. Therefore, we, are, we have become subject to their jurisdiction, and not only, once we become subject to their jurisdiction, they have rule and power 
over what goes on in our home. If our children don't show up to school, they get to call the truancy and they come over and, and create issues within our household and possibly separate the family because now I'm being irresponsible and unable to uh, manage a schedule that I volunteered for. So if I take them out of the equation, they're no longer a problem to me or my children. So I believe that we trust the system that is untrustworthy, and then we question why we are subjugated to unlawful uh, behaviors against us and our children. But, in fact, we have volunteered ourselves and our children for this type of treatment, and we're not seeming to get well, I'll answer your question that you that you posed there at the end, my friend. It's because enough good people haven't stood up and drawn the line. There's enough good people out here with the right moral compass that understand what I mean like you do when I say the law is of nature and the nature's God. And um, you are right. If we voluntarily subjugate ourselves to that, shame on us. It's time for us to rally around the one thing that we all can agree on, and that's the law form of the laws of nature and of nature's God represented in our Constitution. That's all we got to do is enough good people like yourself have got to stand up. And that's what we're doing here on this show tonight is we're standing up. And we're taking a poll. We're running a grand jury. We're asking for people to vote and tell us their opinion because this is a, a proposed government of leaders giving you what we swore to give you, an opportunity to take back your government lawfully and legally without violence by law. All we've got to do is stand up and do it. So thank you for coming to the table tonight, my yep. friend. And, yeah, and uh, Adam, you want to say something here at the end? Uh, uh, closing thoughts, and then Sarge, I know he's, he always has something to say. I'll get him. Anybody else who wants to uh, have a closing thought here to the end of the podcast, by all means, uh, put your hand up. But uh, Adam, you go first, please. Sure. Um, one of the points that I want to bring back up, uh, in this, <laughs> we're, we're talking about acquiescence being consent, acquiescence uh, or your silence is consent. Um, so uh, the 501c3 churches we've talked about, uh, you know, the Church of Satan of the 501c3, but they're allowed to speak. So it just depends on which 501c3s we're talking about here. But the, <clears throat> the people that we would bring together under, under common law, um, all things that we would have in common. What do I want from my government? I want my government to get out of my way, stop trying to license freedom, stop trying to license and control and put their hand out for every transaction of a man where a man is producing by his own hand and trying to provide life, liberty, and happiness for him and his family. And, and I say man, I say man in the generality of, of the human race, man, woman, whatever. People are out there trying to make a living, trying to move and, and do those things. But the, the corporation governments, the same corporation governments, the same hands, we're talking about the same families, the 13 families and stuff like that, whoever knows how far these uh, are in the know about how far these rabbit holes go. These are the same people who colonized America originally that were the invaders or whatever. Now, we could go on about who was wrong about invading 
America originally and, and the native peoples and all that. We, we, we get trapped and wrapped up in those arguments all the time. But here's the thing. We were all born here. I had nothing to do with the invasion of the native peoples of this continent. That was not me. I was born here. I, I didn't choose to be here. I didn't choose to be white any more than anyone else was chosen to be a person of color. I didn't choose to be a man. I didn't choose. Nobody chooses. We are all here because our creator, whatever you believe that creator is, whether you believe it's random chance, whether you believe it's God, whether you believe it's Buddha, whatever, by whatever means you believe you arrived here, you arrived here where you are, what you are, and you chose none of it. And the sooner we, the people, each all understand each other, I am not responsible for you. You are not responsible for me. But together, we could actually look at each other and say, you know what? These people who try to control all things, who try to take of our labor, who try to regulate and, and, and channel all of our work and our labor and our, our toil into the hands of the few, of the privileged, of the elite, if we understood that do no harm is the real law, then we could actually get along. We could probably restore this republic like we're talking about. We could restore the original purpose of the republic, which is, was to provide for each individual's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's a common respect issue. And as long as we allow these governments to continue to bring forth the issues of the past, the issues that don't matter, because none of us are individually going to get more freedom in the arguments we're seeing today. None of them. We're just not going to get more free. What we're going to get is more regulation, and that's what they want. They want to make more rules for us to follow. They create the problem so that they can provide us the solution. It's always about providing a solution, and they take their cut of every solution. And we've got to end that and uh, stop relying on Caesar. Caesar gets what Caesar gets because Caesar still has his hand in our lives because we still depend on Caesar to provide that. Why are the churches who have buildings and facilities not offering an alternative to the public school system? I've asked that for years. I've asked that of churches that I've attended. Why are we not taking those buildings that only are used once or twice a week that we provide Sunday school? Why are we, why are we not applying it to Monday through Friday school? We have the staff. We have the retirees. We have all the, all, everything we would ever need to provide an alternative to the public system, but nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to take responsibility. They want to complain to Caesar when Caesar doesn't do it the way we want. We took the prayer out of the schools. It's not your school. It's Caesar's school. It's not your school. May I respond? Just because May I they respond put, to you, sir? Just because they put the word public on They'll teach. Caesar will teach your children whatever Caesar wants because it's his school. And we have no business telling Caesar what he teaches in his school because you came to him for education. You brought your children to him just like uh, the previous caller was talking about. When we rely on them, we expect to get what they give us. So I yield. Uh, uh, before, sure, before, like uh, you, Jim, yeah, before you do, Jim, I just, uh, before we get uh, – remember our guest here tonight uh, that came on, uh, 
Sandy. Uh, I want to pose this question to Sandy, though, also to think about maybe. What can we do to help you uh, out? Because, look, this is uh, a woman that uh, uh, had, had a great career, uh, served our country, um, a, a patriot. Uh, by all means, if she needs our help, then we need to help her any way possible, whether it be through phone calls, emails, complaints, or whatever have you. So I wanted to pose that question to Sandy. But go ahead, Jim. Go ahead before we get uh, – go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to the last caller because uh, he uh, he hits my spirit right where it lives. Um, you know, we've talked a lot, about a lot of things over the years on your show, Joe. And I didn't mean to make a public service announcement or anything out of it, but it's relevant. Uh, the Carpenters Workshop as a foundation has officially been uh, stood up. Uh, we're in the process of uh, developing a website that should be out here, I hope, within the next week. And uh, that specifically is targeted as a foundation and addresses those very concerns that the previous caller uh, mentioned about the place of education and uh, moral and righteous upbringing uh, for our children and a uh, sustainable environment that makes education fun. And and, um, under our format, sir, uh, once it's fully developed, uh, this education will be uh, available to the public at no cost. Uh, we'll we'll definitely start. promote it, Jim. We will definitely, once you get it off the ground and started, we will definitely promote it on every show before the show and begins. So I just wanted to give, I just wanted to address that because the caller brought it up, and it's a very valid point. And uh, yes, it, uh, is. it is being addressed you know, on a powerful way. And uh, uh, soon to be disclosed, you got a, just a little little preview, probably a week or so ahead of everybody else. So. Thank you for letting okay. me respond to that, Joe. Um, uh, you're welcome. Uh, Sandy, I posed that question to you before I get to Sarge. Uh, is there anything that the listeners out there and the people and the many people that are going to download this show afterwards and listen to it in archive on iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, and Spreaker, and Podchaser, and all the other apps that I'm on now? Uh, and I'm probably going to do a Facebook Live tonight, probably replay this, and then probably comment on some stuff. So I uh, probably will do that on my Meta Facebook page. So, But uh, go, go uh, is there anything we can do? Well, <clears throat> I would say that the most important thing is don't make my sacrifice useless. So there's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people still in the military who are continuing to fight against this. And I'm in contact with a large number of them. I am out in front taking the spears and the arrows so that the students don't have to, the cadets don't have to, and some of the younger active duty don't have to. So what I would say is you need to live your life and do the things that we've been talking about here. Take charge of your own freedom Join the Republic. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, do that right now. Go to the website and do that. If you haven't taken your kids out of the corrupt schools, do that, or grandchildren, whatever it is. Get involved in your political process in some way, even if it's just going to a school board meeting and watching what's going on and the corruption there and then figuring out how to work with other patriots and fighting back. 
And the last thing, of course, is the most important, and that is if there's any, quote, mandates that come down in the future, do not obey. Amen. And tell all your friends and neighbors to do exactly the same thing. I yield. Amen. Amen to that. If Amen. You heard her. And that's, and that's what she called, called upon the listeners here tonight. And this is someone that, like I said, has sacrificed, served her country many years, continues to sacrifice. And why should she be on the chopping block? And 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 uh, hats off to her and much respect uh, for for standing up for the younger. She she see how she she mentioned the younger, the younger cadets, the younger people of service. That is so very important. Our youth. Look at the role models. How we act towards our youth. Uh, Adam brought up a very important thing earlier. He said never in his whole life he would he would have saw a lockdown like he saw the government telling us to stay home and put a gag on our face, and we did it. And Matt, what did our youth see? They saw us comply and become sheep herded right off the cliff to lose our liberties and set precedent for a future mandate and future lockdowns. Shame on us. Shame on us. We should never have complied, but we we live and learn. Uh, Sarge, want to say something real quick here at the end? Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. Uh, Thanks a lot for having your guest on. Our Honorable Sandy, unfortunately, and I'm speaking also what is happening and will probably happen to her, is simply uh, revealing just one more manifestation of the horribly malevolent forces that are arrayed against us. And what I'm saying now, I probably wouldn't have said just a short two or three years ago, because I would have said to myself, you know, Sarge, you sound like a conspiracy nut. Well, I'll tell you, right now, we just got a report, a news from the United Nations. And the United Nations has announced Uh, through Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum and the United Nations General Secretary, Antonio Gutierrez, have signed an agreement to accelerate Agenda 2030. Now, if you don't know what Agenda 2030 is, I'm looking at their webpage right now at the United Nations, and I'm not going to go through all of this. It's a rather long bunch of claptrap that sounds really good, but it is utterly totalitarian, destructive, and tyrannical in its implementation. It will I guarantee you, it is complete totalitarianism. It is to the world what Pol Pot was to Cambodia, mass destruction of everything that is only on a global scale, which has always been the long-term objective of the World Economic Forum, as like Pol Pot, the 2030 agenda must destroy everything, all economies, create global crises, and, and like a phoenix, arise from the ashes of what they have burned down to implement their world control goals. Believe me, go to the webpage. Go to the United Nations webpage and read it for yourself. I implore you to. United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs for Sustainable Development. Remember, our marionette, senile old goat vice president is all in for this. And even if he isn't, and I believe he absolutely is, the radical accolades that surround him definitely are. So we are up against something that heretofore we have never been up against in the history of the United States before. We keep looking at all these little forest fires that crop up all around us, and we have to stamp them out. Don't get me wrong. They're everywhere. They're in everything. But it's all of a piece. And this is your ultimate realization of their goals. 
the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And all these little fires help them to, to accomplish the ultimate conflagration, the complete destruction, particularly of Western civilization. You can bank on it. You can world economic bank on it. Well said, sorry. Uh, well, thank yeah, you well for, said. Thank for you. Us, so thank you for sharing that new decision. That's very interesting. So um, here anyone else here? Real gonna, quick, we're down to like the 10, 11 minute marks. Uh, Jim, I just got to interrupt. Uh, we're down to 11 minute marks. So uh, everyone here, if anyone wants to speak now, uh, I, don't know, I don't recognize some of these numbers. Please do it this now. Is I, just, I just want to finish. I just want to finish with Sarge. Sarge, we need people like you in our communities. God bless you, and all the rest of you out there listening. You need to go to Republic for the United States of America dot org, and you need to sign up for the newsletter, and you need to dedicate or donate your services, your talents. And we need representatives, governors, senators. We need to put together a government of formed by the people at a grassroots level. And this is our common goal. Our commonality is. The laws of nature, nature's God, and the Constitution that our forefathers passed on to us as an inheritance. And get involved. You're a leader. I can tell you're on this podcast. You talk. You're, you're intelligent. You know what you're talking about. So now is your time, your opportunity, those listening, to get involved and be who you say you are. We've been doing this for 10, 12, 14 years with Gibson and others and and we're getting old we need help and it's not all about us it's about everyone out here listening and even those that aren't listening and uh we want to give governor Henning a chance to to give his yes, uh, closing comments yes. also yeah, yes we do but to touch oh, on yeah. that real quick though you mentioned something about the republic from years ago people may not know this but all 50 governors were served back in 2010 uh, when the uh, Republic uh, put the world on notice, and this was this is a world thing. The world does recognize the Republic. It's documented. It was brought to the Hague, and and there and there were 50, there were 50 grand juries put together back in 0809. The assemblies were put together, and like I said, the governors were served. And and <clears throat> some of you may remember that, but uh, again, the movements spring up, they die down. And we see these ups and downs, and and and. These globalists know this, and they and they and they're entrapping us more and more. And Sarge brought up a great point with the UN, and they're accelerating their agenda, and that agenda has been around for a while now. But uh, go ahead. I, I think Roger wanted to say something real quick before we yeah. wrap it up. Roger, I just want ahead. to say real quick that next week we're going to be talking about uh, 18 U.S.C. 241-242, that is conspiracy against the human rights. We're going to be discussing that. With that, I, I, I yield. Mr. Henning, go ahead. Take us out, please. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, America, again, go to uh, republicforunitedstatesofamerica.org. There you can uh, read all the documents that were served on the, the Hague and served on the world. And also uh, the, the warrants there, the warrants that were served on all 50 governors back in 2010 to have them return to constitutional governance uh, by our Constitution. You know, it's it's time, America. Join us. Stand up. Um, I want to go to uh, Mark Binder, Representative Binder from the Free State of Iowa, and close us in prayer. Thank you, Governor Henning. I'd be happy to do so. Seems like with all this discussion, we could use a lot of prayer. 
um, Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, in the name of Yeshua, we give you praise, glory, and worship for all the evil that's being exposed, warned, and cleansed from the earth. We pray for mercy for the souls that can be saved and judgment on those who choose not to be. We speak life into your prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled and know that you have perfect divine timing on when they come to pass. Help us to grow strong in your word, your will, and your ways, and that we may be shaped and formed into warriors of the truth. For you are God, and there is no other. We pray for blessing, protection, health, and wisdom for all militaries that fight with valor to free your people from evil, tyrannical entities. May soldiers and their families receive just reward for their service, Father. We ask for Psalms 91 in its entirety to be implemented for all warriors in this fight, for liberty and justice, and for all who cherish it. We pray for Psalms 82 to continue to bring our court systems back to common law, righteousness, and throw out judging only on precedent. For you delight in just laws and just weights and measures, Father. We have faith by this decree that soon liberty and justice shall be proclaimed throughout the land. Free Republic President James Timothy Turner from unlawful political imprisonment, Father, with full restitution for he and his family, and all others that are wrongfully imprisoned. Put a double protection around our presidents, their families, and friends that the enemy cannot penetrate. We pray the fullness of Psalm 75 over this whole earth. God save the American Republic. And Canada stronger free in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hey everybody, thank, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Mr. Henning, thank you also for uh taking the show on here tonight. Jim, everybody from the Republic, every Tuesday, six thirty PM Eastern Standard Time, and we are bringing the case before the American people and the grand jury. And please, it's your time to vote. Call in, express your First Amendment right, and uh, uh contact uh, me on Facebook and Twitter also if you want to uh, cast your opinion. Those of you that listen in the archive and email me, and I know there are many that listen to the archive. We'll wrap it up with uh, Mr. Ronald Reagan here. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement, and this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War and someday, when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better rev than death, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war, because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard around the world? 
the martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material competitions. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. He said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Let me make this an absolute fact. The goal is world peace. That must be our prime responsibility. We are the leader of the free world, whether we want to be or not. And therefore, we are the only ones that can preserve the peace. And to do that, we must have strength. Meeting this mission and its responsibility for preserving the peace, which I believe is a responsibility peculiar to our country, that we cannot shirk our responsibility as a leader of the free world because we're the only one that can do it.